Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest. His name is Sean Rex. His last name is spelled R-E-C-H. How do you pronounce your last name? Uh, like a train wreck. Train wreck, gotcha. Sean Rex. Yeah. Uh, he's produced a very interesting 10-episode piece, kind of a direct uh, contradiction to the story in Making a Murder, and the title of that is Convicting a Murder. I watched the first three episodes of the 10 episodes. I think four are out right now. They're uh, rolling them out uh, over time, so people can check that out. But it, it stars well-known conservative uh, figure Candace Owens. It's produced by Ben Shapiro and Boring, and it's directed and produced by Sean Reck. And he is a documentary director and producer. He's most known for creating films that document wrongful convictions and over-sentencing. Three of his project subjects have been released from prison. He also frequently examines the role of journalism in the justice system. System, His first film, A Murder in the Park, was named to Time Magazine's list, the 15 most fascinating true crime stories ever told. That's really true. And I've referenced that and talked to that. If people have listened to my show, my listeners know I've covered that uh, with Roberta Glass of the True Crime Report. But he's also produced really great uh, documentaries that I've watched. One is White Boy, which I watched in its entirety. So congratulations on that. He's also working with Chris Hansen. People know him as kind of like the pedophile catcher on a new show called Takedown with Chris Hansen that uh, rebooted kind of 2022 to the present. He's also produced American Gospel, Christ Alone, and Mr. Football. But again, we're going to talk about this great 10-part episode documentary starring Candace Owens. The title of it is Convicting a Murder. So Sean Reck, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so for people who may not have heard your name, may not have uh, connected you maybe to some of these other documentaries, could you mind going through your career and just doing an overview and what led you up to working on convicting a murder? Sure. Uh, I got into this very old, I got into this when I was uh, 42, 43 years old, this business. Um, I knew right away that I wasn't going to get hired or I wasn't going to move to Hollywood if I wanted to make movies. I knew I had to hire myself. So I started uh, a company and uh, started surrounding myself with very talented young people who know how to make film. And uh, we went out for years and years and did this show called Crime Stoppers Case Files, which you can see on multiple networks, including our streaming network, True Blue, T-R-U-B-L-U, which is watchtrueblue.com. Um, and uh, the Crime Stoppers shows, we, we did hundreds of episodes in Miami, Los Angeles, our hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, and in Chicago. And they were all on network O&O stations, um, which are, you know, larger uh, regional stations. And um, they uh, tips from our shows led to the, the solving of 10 murders and 13 people involved with those murders being put away. And uh, we won nine Emmy Awards, but uh, it, it was kind of our it was kind of our college. It was our university because we learned to do things very down and dirty, but still have high production values. So it was kind of how we got pretty good at what we do. And we did that for years. Uh, it wasn't a great moneymaker. So I decided to get into film. My uh, the, the sponsor of our Chicago show is a civil rights attorney named Andrew Hale. And he said, what do you want to make? What do you want to make a film about? I said, wrongful convictions. I think they just executed an innocent guy in Texas. And he said, I have a better one for you. I have a double wrongful conviction. He said, and the crazy part is the guy who's in now didn't do it. The guy who got out did the innocence project, got him out. 
by getting a false confession from somebody else. And I thought, and he said, it's a very hard story to tell. I thought, well, I'll take that challenge. And, um, that is the movie that ended up being a murder in the park. And, uh, I don't want to spoil the ending, but it's a very fulfilling movie and, uh, it's a very complicated story, but I think we told it pretty well, took a lot of graphs and mind maps and things like that. You almost needed a notepad when you watch that film. Uh, I followed up with a movie about a guy who wasn't innocent, but was horribly oversentenced as retribution for his politics or for not for his politics. It was like a political thing though, but he, he helped the FBI try to take down mayor Coleman young and they built a case against Coleman young. Um, but uh, the federal government declined to go after him because they had just gone after the mayor of Washington DC uh, who was smoking crack and they didn't want to look like they were targeting leaders of color. So they never prosecuted him. Uh, and Coleman young and his team basically uh, caught this young, juvenile, nonviolent offender and got him sentenced to life in prison, uh, you know, which I thought was just incredibly unfair. Sentencing disparity really bothers me. And, uh, you know, it makes people not trust the system. And, uh, you know, I there are a lot of people trying to get Richard Worshey Jr. out for a long time. And there's a Hollywood movie starring Matthew McConaughey as his father that came out around the same time as a documentary. And... Um, I'd like to think some of the heat we brought on some of the major players uh, caused Rick's situation to change. Uh, but it's on Netflix right now, ironically. So if you want to watch White Boy, it's, it's, on, it's on Netflix. Uh, the American Gospel series, I, I produced those, but those were directed by Brandon Kimber, who was my first employee. That's, um, you know, his passion and his beliefs, and uh, it's for Reformed cessationist Christians. It's a subset of Christianity and it just kind of explains it and calls out uh, some people who aren't using best practices when they preach. Um, but it's a, it was a big success and we formed a streaming service based on that. When I made the film White Boy, I interviewed Chris Hansen because Richard Worshey said Chris Hansen named them White Boy. I don't know if that's true, but he, he, he attributes that to Chris Hansen. And um, uh, Chris and I became friends. So I said, we're going to do something together. I don't know what it is. And around the time of uh, George Floyd, um, they started canceling police shows. I mean, some of these shows were really successful, but they still canceled them because it was Hollywood's reaction to uh, BLM and, and, and uh, to, to the murder of George Floyd. Instead of empowering young black filmmaker voices and spending some money and cutting some young people, some checks, they just canceled cop shows and said, there, we fixed it. So that was their lazy solution to uh, the disparity that existed. Oh, we won't glorify police anymore. But, you know, police oftentimes deserve some of this glory. Okay, they, they lay down their lives every day for us. Um, they're like soldiers to me. And I know they're, they're bad apples, but there are a heck of a lot more good apples uh, than bad, but bad makes for great news stories and, you know, gets traction in the media. So that's what you hear about all the time. So um, I said, you know what? Um, I already started a streaming service for the Christian stuff called AGTV. I said, let's go for something bigger. So we formed True Blue. Um, like I said, it's watchtrublu.com. And there's an Apple app, Android, Fire Stick, Roku. You can watch it, you know, where you can watch everything. It's less than $5 a month. 
hundreds and hundreds of hours, 40 new predator episodes and, and a lot more coming. Um, and, uh, so we started that we launched it in Thanksgiving and it's, it's way ahead of projections. It's going great. Uh, we'll be at crime con this weekend. Chris will be uh, greeting fans and we'll be uh, doing a promo there for crime for some of the 6,000 attendees. And, uh, uh, besides, right true, pardon me. Is that it on the screen right there? Yeah. Box that's true. That's, that's that's yeah. It's kind of, it's a streamer. It's kind of like Netflix, but it's just all crime and, and factual programming, meaning there's nothing scripted. There are no tall tales. Um, it's all just, you know, documentary stuff, which people, people like. So uh, hopefully uh, some people try it out. It's, um, it's a great value and we've got tens of thousands of subscribers and it's, it's growing like crazy. And, but about six years ago, okay, I watched, I watched, let's go back to 2015. I watched Making a Murder. I enjoyed Making a Murder. I believed Making a Murder because it's implicit when you watch a documentary that um, you're seeing facts, you know, it's, it's just implied. You, you don't have, you know, at, at least at the time it was. It's in the word and, itself, right? Documenting, documentary. Exactly. It's supposed to be documenting. Yeah, except the history of documentaries are, is, is shot through, as, as one of our experts said, shot through with, with deceptive edits. Okay, it's just forever. Um, going back to the very first documentary. But um, I watched Making a Murder, then I read a piece in The New Yorker that said, here's everything you didn't see in Making a Murder that they left out, and everything about Stephen you didn't know, and things that may have changed your mind, and here's how you were deceived, and here's why the blood vial was irrelevant. I read this article by Catherine Schultz in The New Yorker, and I was like, oh, man, somebody's going to make a, a huge slapback piece, and uh, I can't wait to watch it. A couple years later, the uh, prosecutor and the state investigator and, uh, well, those two, you know, Tom Fossbender and Ken Kratz approached me and said, uh, you know, we, we think we trust you to make this film. And I said, okay, but I'm an objective journalist. If, if there's anything wrong, we're going to shine a light on it. So just make sure you, you're, you're willing to answer every question we ask. And uh, honestly, and they said, we have nothing to hide. I said, because I have final cut. You don't really have any say in this. And they, they agreed. So we set out. I ended up having to do the smackback piece because nobody else was doing it. Come to find out. You know, I had a version of this done a while back. It's not what you see now. It's it's highly improved because of the Daily Wire and because of Candace. But we had a version of this to sell, and people liked it. But everybody's like, uh, "Hey, love it. Can't touch it. Don't even want to talk about it anymore." And I didn't realize, you know, when it comes to buyers at streaming networks and networks and distributors, you know, they, they play musical chairs quite a bit. And some of them may end up you know, trying to work for Netflix and they don't want to be the ones who brought this piece to light that exposed some, some really, really deceptive filmmaking and, and exposes, which you'll see like in the ninth and 10th episode, Netflix's role in pushing the filmmakers to make certain decisions and certain edits. Oh, wow. So um, we had a very hard time selling it. Um, and uh, I could, my agents wouldn't rep it. Uh, my aggregator wouldn't aggregate it and put it on iTunes and Amazon. Like just everybody's like, cause he's Netflix's lab. My regular agents co-produce with uh, Netflix, a bunch of very, 
very successful docuseries. They're like, we don't even want to talk about this project, you know, and they kind of cut me from their director roster after that. So I was, uh, uh, we were kind of blown in the wind until, until we talked to Daily Wire. Um, but they said, look, if Candace wants to do that, do this, you got to go down and talk to her in Nashville and she's, she's going to have changes. She's probably going to have a lot of changes. And uh, we sat through about, I think, 14 hours of meetings over two days, watched everything. I mean, and it wasn't 10 hours then. It was like 12 just of watching. And at the end, she's, she's really a very highly intelligent person. I don't care about any flubs or mistakes, you know, when she's doing tweets and things like that, that people point out. She's, she's a highly intelligent person and she has incredible instincts when it comes to storytelling. So Brenda Schuller, you know, produced this. She did tens of thousands of hours of research over six years. Uh, and before we even started this project, she researched for books on this case. She's on screen in this quite a bit, but she's a producer. Um, Brenda and I were too close to this. And sometimes you get too close to the story and you don't realize that you may be doing it in the wrong order or you may be overthinking things. So at the end of the 14 hours, Candace, this was like a scene in Goodwill Hunting. She walked up to a whiteboard and said, here, I'm going to fix it. And I go, oh boy, this isn't going to go over well with Brenda. I just want to sell it. And she spent about 10 minutes reorganizing everything. And um, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a much better project. It's got her fingerprints all over it. It's very much... Uh, the way she wanted to tell the story. And I'm fine with that because this crowd, some of this crowd is so caustic and toxic that we needed someone this tough to tell this story. And she's just, I, I, who better? Uh, who's more fearless than Candace Owens? So I think it's, a, I think it's like a gift from God that, that this pairing happened. I know that sounds cheesy, but you know, I, I really do. I just think that this was meant to be, and I'm really, really glad to be partners of the Daily Wire. <laughs> It's interesting that you bring that up because one of my questions I had for the final is why isn't this this on Netflix, right? Why isn't convicting a murderer on Netflix? So I will tell you right now, if you watch this, you're going to see that we kind of designed it to, to look close enough to making a murderer that they could have taken it and made it making a murderer season three. I'm a high-functioning autistic, so I literally thought that was a possibility. But then when I talked to everybody, they were just like, are you insane? There's no way they're going to cop to what they did wrong i said well they've owned mistakes in the past they've made things right they made the Chappelle situation right and they didn't even do anything wrong you know i don't i don't even think netflix you know did this to be evil i just think they did it to serve their algorithms you know um so i naively thought maybe they'd consider it but they of course not they were in the middle of a lawsuit they couldn't it wouldn't have been reasonable to expect them to buy it so um that's why it ended up in the Daily Wire, and thank God uh, I, I couldn't sell it in Hollywood, but we we sold it in Nashville and found a solid partner. Excellent, yeah. So I saw it was Daily Wire Studios, right? So yeah, uh, Daily Wire all... Plus, which is a streaming Daily. service. Okay, cool. and uh, you know it looks like you have to sign up for a year, but there, there's a way to sign up monthly when you go to that site. So you just have to dig a little bit. They're trying to sell one-year subscriptions, but if you dig a little bit, you'll find a way to get it for I think eight or nine dollars. Um, and uh, there's already, there's a, the fifth episode is coming out Thursday, tomorrow. And uh, there are five more episodes like after that coming out every Thursday. So that's where you watch it because everybody can watch the first two episodes for free. 
The first one is on X and on YouTube. I think it's got about 10 million views now oh, wow. on those two platforms. And, and the first, uh, you know, 12 days, that's pretty good. That's and, um, and then the rest of the episodes are behind the paywall on Daily Wire Plus. So uh, that's where people can watch it. It's getting fantastic reviews. It has a great Rotten Tomatoes, um, even though the Steven supporters have an active campaign going to try and lower our score. Uh, our IMDb is like 8.6 out of 10 stars, which is it's the best I've ever had on IMDb. So people people like it and uh, people are enjoying it. And Steven supporters are throwing the pillows at the TV, you know, and the, but it's still probably getting their juices going because we're talking about this case again. I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to learn some new things. I don't, I don't know that we're going to change their minds, but the general public who watched it like me and didn't read the New Yorker article. Um, I think they're going to be surprised at some of the things were left out and some of the edits that were made. Right. Like uh, omission is the greatest form of lie. That's what George Orwell said. So a lot of these documentaries leave right. stuff out and uh, you quoted, or you just referenced Brenda Schuler. Like she was a almost like a scholar of the case, right? Local and had binder after binder, and she's right there in the first thing. So she, yeah, she's a, a subject. She's a subject matter expert. Um, I think she's maybe the foremost subject matter expert. Full disclosure, she uh, thinks Stephen's guilty. So I had to, I had to add a more even hand to this. Full disclosure, I think Stephen's probably guilty. Um, but you know, we say that up front. Um, we're not, but it, I still think the piece is pretty objective. Um, truthers accuse us right now of doing the same thing we accuse Netflix of. Uh, they're going to see that we didn't, maybe we just didn't say some of these things yet. And we're not going to go into every fringe theory they have. We gave a couple to show ex an example, show examples of how crazy the theories got, but no, we're not going to get into, uh, you know, some of the things that they want to talk about. Maybe if there's a sequel series, maybe, uh, maybe in that we'll get into it. But, uh, you know, um, that's that hasn't been decided yet. Right. And there was a sequel to the original Making a Murder. So there was 10 episodes on the one that was done by Ricciardi and Demos, right? Well, and they did they both. Did okay. Yeah. Yeah. They um, they did a follow up, uh, which follows um, you know, Stephen Avery's appellate attorney is the, the best criminal appellate attorney alive. And um, so he, I mean, if he won a hundred million dollars in the lottery and could get any attorney he wanted and talk to the experts, he'd end up with the same attorney, you know, he's got the best. So um, it was a kind of a, a, a movie following her, her theories. I think she's got a very hard job in trying to get him unconvicted, you know, because uh, I think the appeals have run out and his, his only chance now is probably a, uh, a conviction integrity unit, which I support because that's that was the key player. The conviction integrity unit in Illinois or in Cook County was the key player in the film Murder in the Park because he was out of appeals because he did pro se appeals, you know, just without an attorney. So I'm, I'm a big supporter of conviction integrity units. And if that got him a new trial, fine, have a new trial. It's probably a waste of money, but then get him a new trial. Right. And you guys, I mean, their research, they clearly left a lot out. I mean, they said the original two girl women, Ricciardi and Demo, said they spent 10 years putting together that uh, documentary. Really kind of one of the, and that really, like they said, even in your documentary, it kind of made Netflix, like there were millions and millions of views, but they missed a lot in those, if they took 10 years 
a lot of impertinent facts fell through the uh, cracks, right? Look, um, I have a, I have mutual friends with them, okay? And they, 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 they'd call me and they'd say, we, we beg you to not go hard on them. You don't understand the situation. I said, tell me the situation. They said, no. And it wasn't until I got the notes from the Netflix executives that I realized that they were also pushing the filmmakers to do this. And, um, you know, telling them to make the cops look worse, telling them to use ominous music every time they showed a police officer. They called them the baddies, quote unquote baddies, the bad guys. Um, they, they admit in interviews that they use narrative filmmaking techniques. And I don't think you can do that with the news. I don't think you should do that with the news. That's the real reason I made this movie. Right. It's incredible. We, yeah. we documentary filmmakers used to be, we were the bums in the entertainment industry. We were begging for money. We were crowdfunding. We were trying to get grants. I never did any of those things because I was very fortunate to get in at the right time. Making a murder helped the market quite a bit, okay? It made documentaries valuable, made them as valuable as scripted film. So um, we now make a lot of money doing documentaries. And um, quite frankly, I don't want to screw that up. And if too much big stuff comes out um, and it's an advocacy piece and a hatchet job, uh, and they don't admit that it's an advocacy piece. And they just said, hey, we were just flies in the wall documenting what happened. Well, that's not true because everything that hit the cutting room floor would have made Stephen look worse. You know, there was nothing on the cutting room floor that would have made the cops look worse. So that's 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 a bias. And what their friends also explained to me, and this isn't confirmed. This is just hearsay. They said they were they were painted into a corner. I think part of the painting in the corner is the fact that they put so many years of their lives into this and it just got worse and worse and worse with him. When Brendan was arrested and charged, they called him, there was a prison call that day, he called them and they said, hey, we're not, we're not leaving you, don't worry, we're, we're still gonna see this through. And he said, no, thanks, you know, but they, clearly they considered it, you know, like my gosh, this gets worse and worse. And, and Brendan's original uh, testimony of those officers corroborated a lot of the evidence they found. So. Um, stuff that wasn't coerced out of him or drawn out of him. So um, I think they were stuck. They had so much invested in it. Little did they know, they could have just told the story straight and it still would have been a fascinating, fascinating documentary. But they, you know, they told him on the, on the phone, we have the prison calls. They said, this is, you know, we're going to go back to, I have to get back to work on your movie. We hope this helps you. Is it enough if people just don't believe you're guilty? Because we don't know if we can get you out. This is all, this is all recorded we, and it's in our series. It's, it's fascinating viewing, although I'm prejudiced. You know, I think it's really, really interesting viewing. You start the whole series off. The first episode has that conversation between Avery and somebody else. Was it his sister who were like, hey, they can uh, help a, you out? It's Deb Klemp, who's, a, a, I think, a family friend. And she said, the lady from New York called. They want to make a documentary about you. That's the start of our movie. Yeah. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe this will be your big break. And, and I mean, um, that's the whole thing, like the innocence uh, kind of fraud movement that ties in with uh, your first film that that you did, where there's the incentive to have a really good story, right? I mean, the murder in the park and making a murder all, both have that same kind of thing where they really want to capture people's imaginations, right? With this, like, yes. that was the whole, yeah. Yeah, but they, they, they went too far. So we just tell the whole story. And the first two episodes, you know, they... 
a lot of it, we, you know, we have to consider some of the viewers are going to be people who did not see Making a Murderer. So we have to do kind of a skillful retelling and along with updating and, and setting the record straight. So every episode gets more and more into the deception and the flaws. But we start out with kind of a retelling. So it's, it's really after episode two when things get, I mean, episode two is, episode three is really crazy. Um, you know, don't watch it with your kids. Right. But, I mean, uh, this guy, uh, Avery, was very sordid. He was a very sordid character. Yes. Yeah, he's, he was a uh, and, – and people didn't know. I mean, they just didn't share it. Now, case enthusiasts, of course they know about all this stuff, and they've already dismissed it away. So this is old news to them, to the, you know, say 20, 30,000 people who, who spend five hours a night researching this and talk to each other and you know, who are really into this. Um, they, they know a lot of what we're disclosing, but it, it's still – making their heads explode because they, they partition it off one discovery at a time and explained it away. And then they don't go back to it. So seeing it as an assembly, you know, and presented as a, woven together is uh, really hard on them, I think. And that's why if you go on Twitter, I'm just like probably the most hated man on Twitter right now, because these folks, I get 20 tweets every five minutes of, of telling me what an idiot I am and how fat I am. And, I keep my chins up, although my movie's failing. You know, it's not failing. Right. It's, doing it's great. very, very nasty. A lot of people invested. And I think that's an important aspect of your episodes. Did you show the public involvement in these documentaries yeah. in these cases, right? Can you maybe explain more on that? I think it's important. This isn't the only one. I mean, Don't F with Cats got into it. Uh, the one about the Boston um, Marathon bombing got into that. Somebody committed suicide over a false accusation. You know, the, the, this Reddit community and Twitter community. Uh, online sleuths—they—they they point a lot of fingers, and they—they're hiding under. Oftentimes, they're hiding under the cloak of anonymity. So it's—it's—it's—it uh, it, it can be really damaging, and it can hurt lives. It certainly did in this case. Yeah, no doubt. And it's an industry, really. I mean, if you look at serial with Adnan Syed or some of these other ones, or just the true crime is the number one genre. Yeah. And, uh, Only murders in the building is making fun of it right now. You know what I mean? Which I love. I love that show. Sorry to plug a Hulu show on uh, on Daily Wire's time, but I mean, it's a great show. But it's it's lampooning our industry, and I, but I enjoy it because it's true. Like you know, and and the threshold. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it is. And it's, I didn't. I didn't listen to Serial. I should have. But like, they're they're they you know they 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 do what I call shade cases. Where it's like, eh, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Yeah, but there's nothing that strong usually, you know. Right. Um, they tried to find something. They tried to find something. Right. To me, Adnan Syed is guilty. He did the crime. His his cohort went with him and buried the body and, and testified him in, in court. So yeah, I think staircase. I I think that guy's guilty of sin. Yeah. You know, I'm not, and I'm not like this super pro cop nutbag who thinks the police don't do wrong. I know that they, they're, they're bad cops. And I know that cases are fixed. Cases are strengthened, you know, by planning evidence. I'm sure that happens. I just, I'm not sure it happened in this case. And um, I don't think it, I don't, like if the key never happened, I still think Stephen Avery would have been convicted. Right. And I mean, that's the whole thing. Like this, this case was really one of the early ones that captured the public imagination the zeitgeist, petitions, right? You had protests, oh, yeah. celebrities got involved. Like, it was really something else. Well, they petitioned the president when he didn't even have the power to 
to pardon Stephen Avery. It wasn't a federal conviction, but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, the petitions. I mean, God, I, I mean, I think there were millions of signatures. There were, I know there were like 160,000 after the first week or something. But I think we we do kind of a montage showing how high the number got. Um, but yeah, there's an awful lot of support. I was a, I was a Stephen Avery supporter for a week, you know. Uh, but but that, as soon as I read what they left out, I, was, I realized I was tricked. I was a little angry. Right. And like well, the incentive of Netflix, do you know what they paid for this documentary for the original Making a Murderer? Are you aware? No, I don't know what they paid. Because it did, it bolstered their bottom line, right? I mean, well, their, their a... stock, they gained over 5 million subscribers. Their stock price went up 8% around that period. Um, and it kind of changed their trajectory. And uh, they went out and co-proed with uh, my old manager, former managers and the Duplass brothers and made some fantastic work that wasn't deceptive. And um, they also, uh, um, you know, made their own, you know, right. they, so they buy Netflix originals, they'll label it a Netflix original if they buy all the rights, but they'll also, uh, they also co-produce um, originals and say so just they decided to stop depending as you know so much on others and control it from the from the very beginning and get filmmakers they tr they trust um making a murderer i don't think it was originally 10 hours i think it was three or four um originally and then netflix was trying to get a different series and they didn't they, they, they were the highest bidder but they didn't get the series um and when they didn't get that they they were scrambling to find something because the algorithm told them they needed a bingeable long form crime docuseries. So this was, this was the one they, they kind of okay. shaped. So what, what algorithm, just their internal algorithm, what people are watching? They want, yeah. They everybody, to... everybody in Hollywood tells me there's, there, there are no artists in that building um, in Netflix. They said they're, they're more like, um, you know, um, EY or, or McKinsey analysts. Wow. And they just, they just study viewer habits and behavior and it's smart. It's smart business. I own a streamer. I own two streamers. We study viewer habits and behavior. If somebody doesn't watch something, we don't we don't make more of it. We make more of what people want, which happens to be takedown with Chris Hansen. It's all they it's all they watch. You know, it's like 95%. It's we have hundreds and hundreds of hours of crime films, really high quality. A lot of them were on Netflix. And uh 95% of our viewership is just watching Chris catch predators. And I understand, wow. but it's a, a well-rounded complete network. So what they're doing is smart. You know, they kind of wrote the book on this, but um, they they just they let it they let it go too far in this case. Right. So, do you think that's why that they're they're incentivizing these creations of eight or ten episode series on crime is because it fits their algorithm? So, like, yeah, and HBO's uh, algorithm says Dahmer three or four, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, isn't it funny though? HBO their sweet spot is like three three or four episodes. You know. Um, I think Hulu's is like six. Everybody has, everybody has, is finding different data. They're probably a lot of the same viewers. I, I own, I own, I'm, I'm subscribed to all of the streamers. Um, and, uh, but I, I guess there's differences, you know? Interesting. It's interesting that that's that, but that influences the culture, right? So this making a murderer causes this huge consternation. It's all based upon some kind of McKinsey analyst just trying to put things together and create uh, contention like if i mean they're deliberately i mean would you think that they're deliberately creating that kind of contentious environment where people are really discussing the case by the way they laid it out well you want conflict you want yeah. conflict that's that's um 
it's smart filmmaking to have conflict. Um, uh, when when I made a murder in the park and Paul Cialino wouldn't talk to us, I had the licensed footage of Paul Cialino, Cialino telling his side of the story. Okay, so that it was balanced, and so we'd have this poll. I interviewed Anthony Porter, the guy we thought was guilty, and he told me I was full of it, and we put it in the movie. You know, we, we, you need push and pull. Um, but so that's 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 smart filmmaking, but but you can't be dishonest about it. Right. You know, so that that's you know I, I, the reason I made this film is so that we don't blow them, we don't blow up our own market now that it's finally healthy. So we need to come up with a voluntary code of ethics that we all adopt and stick to so that people know they can trust our work or they know who paid for the work. Um, uh, they know uh, if, you're, if you're taking a side, uh, they know if you paid your subjects, you know, that, that should all be disclosed. It should. And yeah, I know, for example, like the, not paid to be in our series. Now, Tom Fossbunder and Ken Kratz were paid to not do any other series. Interesting. So we did an exclusivity deal with them, but now they can go out and do whatever they want. You know, so they'll probably, you know, I think uh, pretty sure Ken Kratz is going to make another project of his own, Interesting. you know, cause there's a lot that we didn't say that, you know, he wanted said. In the West Memphis three, uh, the three documentaries they did, they paid the subjects. They didn't tell people, but they were paying them and directing them to do crazy stuff. So it would look good on film. So the people yeah. are watching something that's natural, but it's all. Uh, that's an ethical debate. I come down on the side of paying them. All right. And this comes down to the Kartemkin model. So Kartemkin uh, films in Chicago that did Hoop Dreams was a really fascinating documentary about some potential, yeah, potential college basketball players that are really rough neighborhood in Chicago in high school. They were in high school, but they had, you know, they were dreaming of being NBA players and their lights were being turned off and they couldn't eat. And they were, you know, and they're asking the filmmakers for help. The filmmakers thought it wouldn't be journalistic to help them. And they told them they're not going to get paid because we don't make money on documentaries. Well, Hoop Dreams made a lot of money. So they turned around and uh, I believe they formed a trust for all the people who appeared in it and they pay them to this day. And I agree with that. I think because they said, we did make money off you. So we were, we, we didn't know we were lying, but we were lying. So we need to pay you. I, I believe in paying subjects. So I, but we need to disclose it. So I'm disclosing it right now. Right. So if it's disclosed, then you people know, I think that's fair, especially right. if there's like, if you're generating significant revenues from, from the, right. the, the, the subjects. Right. It's, yeah, uh, otherwise it's a, it's a cop out. It's a way to be a cheapskate. And uh, just 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 act, act like you have all this moral authority when the fact is you're making money off the person. So yeah, I believe in paying subjects. And a lot of a lot of documentary filmmakers would say that that's that's not good. That's I'm wrong, but I I, I do believe in it. All right. So you went to the site. You were in um, Wisconsin. Candace Owens oh, yeah. goes to Wisconsin. Yeah. We talked about mm -hmm. that. Yeah, many times. We went many many times. Candace flew out there. Uh, we got onto the Avery salvage yard. She filmed there. She filmed at the court. We went in the, she sat on the couch where Brendan was, uh, was interrogated. She sat in the courtroom. We did lines there, you know, and uh, like I said, she was extremely, extremely involved in reshaping this. And it's a very different because, and, and improved because of her, uh, her involvement. She's almost kind of like a narrator. She's almost kind of like uh... Uh, it's a layer of opinion, which we've never had before. 
it's a layer of opinion, but I'm fine with it because every, it's, it's obvious that it's opinion. So even if someone is screaming at the TV and totally disagrees, they're still being entertained. You know, they're still totally engaged. And, you know, you can, you can love to hate a character in a show. You know, um, people love to hate, you know, Donald Trump. You know, it's, 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 CNN had him on the air half the time because it worked for him and it got him numbers, but they went and got him elected by doing that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I still think, I think even the truthers are entertained by this. It just irks them that, that, that the Daily Wire is making money on it. You know, so they're trying to scam us any way they can. You know, we're Undercut taking it, it yeah. down off torrent sites constantly. Interesting. I, yeah. I, when I wrote my book on the West of Memphis 3, they, they petitioned to Amazon to take my book off Amazon at work for a bit. But uh, yeah, so I've, I've seen some of that kind of behavior. Nothing probably like you. If you've had 10 million views, that's uh, to me incredible that's that's a sign of success that people are interested in this yeah and you're I what? Mean, the, sorry the daily wire had a had a movie called what is a woman that i think had 200 million views on x wow, in in a month incredible. so uh, we're nowhere close to that but this is a lot longer watch and you know people know that they're not seeing the complete thing on x or just seeing episode one so i'm sure it's going to be up there forever so i'm sure it'll eventually the numbers will get real high especially when europe catches on because you um Europe and uh, Australia, they were enthralled with making a murder. And uh, I've been flown to Oslo, Norway, just to talk about the progress on our project. You know, wow. th th there's so much interest in Nordic countries about the Stephen Avery case. You know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, probably of your European ancestry, you know. So, um, and that's one of our theories, that white folks wanted a Mike Brown. You know, we, we think that at, at that moment of cultural zeitgeist, you know, People wanted someone who looked like them to be a victim. And uh, we think that's part of the psychology behind this. And we do interview psychologists and sociologists in this in this series, later on in the series. That's an important take. I mean, it's such an interesting phenomenon, these, these huge kind of true crime, uh, innocence fraud type of things that, that permeate society. People talk about, talk about it at office, family dinners. Uh, oh, this was a water ones. cooler. This was a water cooler series for sure. That, the original yeah. making a murder. I mean, people joined Netflix because of water cooler talk. It worked like a charm. It was the definition of viral. Yeah, really was. Sean, we are at the 40 minute mark. Where's the best place to watch us? You said uh, Daily Wire Plus will have all 10 episodes eventually, correct? All, they'll have all 10 eventually. In about five weeks, you'll be able to see all 10 there. But I would, I would subscribe now and binge the first five tomorrow. And... Um, and then you'll get a new one every Thursday. And you can watch the first episode on X or on YouTube. And, um, you know, I think that uh, I think people are going to like what they see. According to the reviews before the smear campaign started, <laughs> um, you know, we were our Rotten Tomatoes. I think at one point was was 94 percent. Now it's, you know, today it's in the 70s. I don't know if our fans are going to save us or not, but. You know, there's an active campaign to, to drag it down. But, yes, that's where you watch the film. And thank God for the Daily Wire for having the courage, Candace Owens, for having the courage to front this and, and for them to air it. And uh, as far as my other stuff, uh, you know, you can watch the new Predator Investigations on watchtrublu.com. It's less than $5 a month, and you get a new episode every week, and there are 40 of them up already. And they're, they're, these Predators are worse than ever. I mean, they're oh, wow. way worse than the original. They're We've got 71-year-old men trying to buy 
13-year-old girls off their stepfathers. I mean, these are really, really crazy cases. So, so are I you seeing more them. human trafficking type stuff going on? Is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, there's, wow. a, there's always that element. Um, yeah, paying kids. Yeah, that's what it is. And, and, and kids are so materialistic now and so unprotected. On, I mean, my son's been, my 15-year-old son's been propositioned on Xbox. Wow. You know, I'll send you some, some credits if you send me a picture. You know, that happens. So um, Chris's work is more important now than, than ever. And I know a lot of other people, amateurs are doing it, but he is the OG and he's the creator of this, this concept. And uh, we're also making a movie called I'm Chris Hansen oh, about wow. Chris. Um, and we'll probably try and sell it to Netflix when it's done. Do you know offhand, if you know that information, when did he get start kind of doing the, uh, 20 years ago, 20, 20, it's been years, 20 years. Ago. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and well, 2004, almost 20 years ago and, uh, 500 people have, have been arrested, um, about 500 people in these stings, um, with the 40 we just added. And so people can watch that for people who are in audio. It's watch T R U B L U. Dot com and they can see Correct. that and all the other all the other documentaries they can see um this other show convicting a murderer on its daily wire wire plus so we're only you've only released five so there'll be five more to go is that right yeah and for those who who you know daily wire plus is a conservative site for liberals who are like oh this is all i don't want to see this if it's on daily wire it's political this this our series is not political it's about culture and ethics it's not about politics at all. It's just so you know. I mean, you're not you're not uh, paying to watch something that, that that's like a Republican hit piece. There are Republican truthers and Republican guilters, and Democrat truthers and Democrat guilters. There's no political division among these groups. Right, but you guys do a great job of countering whatever Netflix put out. This whole kind of algorithmic McKinsey, uh, you know, based. Uh, show that's going to sell as much, uh, sell as many subscriptions as possible. So that financial kind of element to the the original making a murder, I think, has to be countered. I think it's important. So I think you're doing important work. And yeah. if people want to reach out to you, Sean, where's the best place to do that? Oh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, Facebook, and uh, I guess I'll give my email. It's Sean S H A W N at transitionstudios.com. I try to talk to as many people as I can. I try to engage with the uh, people who like us and people hate us. Uh, I try to engage with all of them. I don't answer specific questions. I don't give spoilers, um, but I I try to address what I can the few times a day that I check in on on X uh, or Facebook or LinkedIn. I, I freely connect with people. I'm a pretty open book. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Really informative and uh, congrats on the series. It's really good. It's very, it's super well-researched. Like you oh, guys. Thank you. I know that's Brenda Schiller. She's, she's, she's the best. So thank you very much, William. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And again, it's the uh, name of the series is convicting a murder, not making a murder. And it's put out by daily wire studios, 10 episodes directed and produced by Sean Reck. Last name is spelled R E C H. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. All right. Take care. Stay there.